0: And again, I believe that God just has more incredible things for us today. But before I jump into my message, just a couple things, just a reminder. Uh, I put this t-shirt on today to remind myself that after this service, we are going to be having our team train at 1.30. And so that's for all of our volunteers, for all of our leaders to come together, and for those who are wanting maybe to get involved in our church. So we will provide lunch for you. So maybe today you were planning on that. Great, it'll be here at 1.30. But maybe you weren't, I want to invite you to come and participate in that with us today. And as well, I want to uh, welcome some guests that we have here today that are visiting with us. Uh, we have a couple pastors here. Pastor Lynn and Ingrid, his wife Ingrid Zuderman, are just awesome people. If you guys would just stand up for a second, I want to recognize you. They're pastors at Calgary Full Gospel Church. And uh, I'm just so delighted that they would come and worship together with us. Uh, Great people, great ministry, a man of prayer, uh, and a man of integrity. And so thank you for coming and being with us here today. Well, I want to jump into, uh, as we continue our series called Transform. Now, the word transformed means to change in shape, form, size, or appearance. It can be a chemical, physical change from one state to another. Now, here's the reality, and we, we've been talking about this, that change is happening all around us, uh, whether we like it or not. Isn't that true? There is changes that are going on. You know, I know that for myself in the last 24 years that I have been married, that I maybe have transformed a bit. Um, my shape is a bit different than I'm when I was married, uh, like 70 pounds different. Uh, this is confession time for me. I'm just being honest with you here today. I didn't plan on it. Uh, I also didn't prevent it. Uh, it just happened. And... Uh, uh, you know, change is happening well, as well, a few weeks ago, uh, the fear of God struck me. My son got his learner 's permit. My son got his learner 's permit. Uh, it, it is amazing for me to be in a vehicle, a moving motorized vehicle, with this little guy, this little guy i, I can 't believe that the government, the government would allow him to drive a vehicle. You know, I kind of don't have any choice once that happens. You know, I may not like it, but it's happening anyways. Now, not only does, is there physical transformations that happen in our life, but there's also life transformation. And I remember when I was 11 years old that one of the biggest transformations happened in my life. Now, if you've been around our church, you, you've probably heard me talk about this. I'm just going to look at it from a different angle. But that is when my mom became a follower of Jesus Christ. And when that happened, everything in my world changed, especially when it came to school. My mom decided within a two-week period that my sister and I would go from a public school to a Christian school. Well, what happened? Well, first, I was used to the jeans, the t-shirts, the, the, the running shoes. I was in a traditional classroom with a, a desk and a teacher with probably 30 other students. We had hot lunches every day. A full big gymnasium that, that you could do multiple things in a big playground. No talk of God or prayer or any of those things because that really wasn't a part of our life. And then all of a sudden, my mom becomes a follower of Jesus. And boom, we, she now decides, you need to go to a Christian school. Well, I wasn't really excited about this because now I had to wear a uniform, belt, ties, dress shoes. I don't think I'd ever worn dress shoes before in my life. Then I went to a school which is very similar. It was, in fact, it's exactly the same as the school that we have here in our church, Eastside Christian Academy. Uh, that that we had our, our our desks were were not traditional classroom desks, but they were offices where we worked on our own. Hot lunches were gone. I had to bring a brown bag lunch now. There was now prayer, chapel, and if you can believe it, they made us memorize the Bible. My whole world changed. It had been transformed. And as an aside here, if you are, are if you have kids in kindergarten or going into age grade nine, I would say our school is an awesome uh, choice for you to consider having your kids be a part of that now here's what I want to talk about Jesus came and died and was resurrected so that our lives would be transformed and Paul a great leader and writer in the Bible wrote this about Jesus in 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 verses 15 to 17 he said this now if you have your Bibles you can open that with us or if you have your, uh, your Bible app on your phone, please go ahead and turn there now. But if you don't, you can follow along on the screen behind me as I read this to you. And here's what it says in, in, in 2 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 15. It says this about Jesus. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have to stop evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. See, we talk about change, transformation. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. You see, Jesus died on the cross, and was raised three days later to show his power. You see, the resurrection unleashed the power of God on the earth so that our lives could be and would be transformed. Now, this should give us incredible hope for today, for our future. You see, the the power to transform. See, what once was old, God says, I'm making it new. I will make it new. What once was dead, he will make alive. But here's the question when we talk about this transformation that takes place, was if Jesus came to change us, why do we struggle so much with change? Or or maybe this is a better way to put it, or why do we struggle to stay changed? Why do I still get mad at other drivers on the road? Anybody can relate to that? That somebody cuts you off, they, they, they get in front of you. You, you, maybe you get a little bit angry. Or maybe this morning on the way to church, you and your spouse had a little argument or a fight. Why? Why do I sometimes still occasionally use inappropriate language? Where, where does that come from? Or why do I get jealous when other people maybe have better things than me, or maybe God's blessing them? Or here's one of my favorites. Why do I still worry about things I cannot control? What's going on here? Well, the answer, and I shared this last week part of it, is that we forget who we are in Jesus. We forget what we, he has done. We don't understand our position in him that, first of all, that when Jesus died for us and we accept him into our heart, that he puts his righteousness on us that we now are righteous before God. And it's a gift. It's not something we can earn. It's not something that we can somehow, through, through living better, become more righteous. It's a gift that we receive through relationship in him. And we have to embrace that gift every day. But I also believe this, that we're not aware of what he's done for us, that when we are born again, as the Bible say, what that really means that Jesus also gives you and I a new heart. And I want to talk about what it means today to have a new heart, or to have a heart that is fully alive. Who here wants a heart that's fully alive? I want a heart that is fully alive with everything that God has for me. Now in Ezekiel chapter 36, Ezekiel the prophet writes this, in verse 26, and he says this, and I will give you a new heart. This is actually him prophesying what God is speaking to Israel. He says, and I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit inside of you, in you. I will take out your stony and stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. About seven years ago, I was alerted to the fact that my dad had had a heart attack. It was a very nerve-wracking time in my life. Uh, I didn't have any more information initially that, Todd, you need to call your stepmom. Your dad has had a heart attack. I was freaking out. I was like, oh my goodness, what happened? Is he still alive? Is he in the intensive care? What's going on with my father? Well, I found out that he had not been feeling very well for about a week, and so he finally decided to, you know, I need to go see a doctor, and so they sent him to the hospital where he was undergoing a stress test on a treadmill when he actually had his heart attack. He couldn't have been in a better place because he had cardiac people all around him when he experienced this, uh, had this experience in his life. Well, they discovered that one of the issues that he had was that his heart had a faulty valve, that, that there was blood that was leaking between the chambers of his heart. And so they scheduled him for surgery and they placed inside of him a new heart valve. Actually, the valve from a pig. It's kind of an incredible thing that they do here. Some of you are like, whoa. I kind of was like, oh, that's kind of creepy. But what was amazing is that when he got out of surgery, he couldn't believe how much better he felt. He, couldn't, uh, he said he felt like he had this, uh, a new heart, that he, that, that he had more energy, that he, was, he just felt more alive. But here's what I want to say. Jesus doesn't just repair your heart when you give your heart to him. He gives you a brand new heart. No pig valve. It's the real deal. It's his heart that he puts inside of you and I. And what about this brand new heart? What is it, what, what, how, does it, how is it different than our old heart? Well, first of all, it's a heart that has godly ambition. It desires to follow after the things of God. It has kindness inside of it. Instead of getting impatient and discouraged with people, you have kindness. It has compassion for the needs of other people. This new heart has compassion in it. This new heart likes to serve other people. And it has one of my favorites, well, it's actually not my favorite, but patience and long-suffering. You know, this heart allows you to deal well with annoying, irritating people. It's a new heart. It's pliable. It's malleable. You see, in Ezekiel 36, he's prophesying about this problem that not only Israel had, but people in general have had for centuries. It's the, it's the problem that we face today. And it's that man tends to have a hard or a dead heart. A heart that is unresponsive to the guidance and direction of God and his Holy Spirit. But here's what he's saying. One day, you see, you have to remember, Jesus hasn't come yet. Jesus hasn't come onto the scene, and he's prophesying. One day, he said, listen to this, Israel. Listen to this, followers of God. One day, God's gonna provide for us new hearts, hearts that will be obedient to his word, hearts that will be tender and malleable, hearts that will be fully alive, hearts that have been changed through the power of, of the resurrection through Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus has the power to make dead things come alive. I grew up around a lot of animals, and I had this cat. She was an amazing cat who was a hunter. She loved to catch mice and birds. And She was one of those cats. I don't know if you've ever had an animal like this, but she liked to show off her work. She would would bring her trophies to the front door. She would bring the the mouse or the, the bird and so you'd open the door in the morning and there they would be and she'd be walking around just strutting around and purring like, look what I brought you and you're like oh my goodness. And most of the time they were dead. Most of the time. Well it reminded me of a Another occasion, when I was 18 years old, I was driving home one evening, and I had the misfortune, and I've only done this once in my life, of, of hitting a deer. I hit a deer with my car. I don't know if anybody's ever done that. I, 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 was, I was so startled, the deer actually hit the, my front bumper and rolled up my hood, went onto the roof of my car, was lying on the road, and was just still. It was not moving at all. And I was like, oh my goodness, I've killed Bambi. I have killed Bambi, and I'm going to have to go home and tell my mom, who's an animal lover, that I killed Bambi. So I was like, what, 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 what can I do? What, how, how do I handle this? So I was like, you know what? I've at least got to move the deer off the road. And so I went up to the deer, and I was just, I think I had a tear in my eye. I was sad, and I was like, okay, I'm going to move your lifeless corpse over to the side of the road. And when I went to touch the deer, all of a sudden the deer jumped up. I was like, it's a miracle. I don't know who was more startled, the deer or me. But she ended up running off to the woods. <laughs> you know, it was an amazing thing. I actually had to go home and change my pants because it scared me. <laughs> now, my cat liked to make alive things dead. But Jesus likes to make dead things alive. You see, with the power, without the power of Jesus, our hearts tend to chase after things that are dead, don't they? We, 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 we chase after position. We, we can step on people trying to move ahead in our companies, in our businesses, even in our positions within the church if we're not careful. We can chase after power, pleasure. Oh, what do I need to deal with the hurts and the aches in my heart? We chase after these things, and they just produce death inside of us. We look for things to build self-security. Well, if I just, if I, you know what, I'll get more involved in, in, in serving down the road. I just got to save a little bit more money. I got to do things. And people wonder why they're frustrated, why their heart is aching, why their, their, their life is not fully alive, why their heart's not fully alive. Or we get hurt and we get wounded. And we want to get even. We want retribution. We want to make those people feel the pain that we feel. Those are dead things that keep us from what Jesus wants for us, a heart fully alive. You know, one of the great keys of successful and of a fulfilling life is a heart that has been changed or transformed and become fully alive. John Eldridge, in his book, Waking the Dead, says this, you cannot be the person... God meant you to be and you cannot live the life he meant you to live unless you live from the heart, a heart fully alive. You see, to live from a heart that fully alive is living from the created essence of our being or if I can say it this way, or from the intended purpose of our creator because God has intended for every single one of us to live with the heart fully alive and he knows What will cause us to be alive? And when we walk in that and we pursue it, it brings life and fulfillment to us. What does a heart fully alive look like? It's a heart that has dreams. It has big dreams, desires to see people's lives change, transform, dreams to see God's kingdom move forward. A heart fully alive reaches for more. It's always reaching forward. And maybe there are times when, when we stumble or we, we, we fall, but it's always looking forward saying, God, I know there's something bigger, there's something greater that you have for me. A heart fully alive is creative and imaginative. It uses the full measure of our personality, our gifts and our skills to, to come up with the most amazing things to connect people, to reach people, to involve people. It's willing to take risk. You see, it's a heart that is completely free. Nothing holds it back. Nothing limits it. You know, I know this today as I was praying. The Holy Spirit was speaking to me. I believe that there are Many here today that are struggling, even as you sit here, because your heart is not free. You're not living from your place of freedom. God, today, I believe this with all my heart, wants to give you a free heart. He wants you to have a heart that is fully alive. Can I hear an amen for that? Now, some might be asking, well, Pastor Todd, isn't it bad to just live by our heart, to live through our heart. You know, we've been taught, you've even spoken this, I've heard you that our hearts can't be trusted. Or even, doesn't the Bible teach that the heart is completely wicked? And it's true, if you're living with an unredeemed heart. A heart that is unrepentant and unchanged. You see, when we give our lives to Jesus, one of the first things that he does is he gives us a heart transplant. He gives us a new heart. And here's what we need to understand. When he gives you a new heart, it's a good heart. That you now have a good heart inside of you. How much differently would we live if we understood that we now now have a good heart? Oh, I have a good heart. Well, then how do you live with a heart that's fully alive? How do you have a heart that's fully alive? What's the process? Well, I'm going to give you three things here today. Three points. First of all, to have a heart that's fully alive, you must commit your heart fully to Jesus. You've got to commit your heart fully to Jesus. Now, one of the great problems that we face in life is that we many times come and say you know what God I love you or God I'm not sure about you I might try you out I'm going to give you part of my life I'm going to give you some of my heart but I can't quite give you everything and what I'm here to tell you if you want a heart fully alive you can't live like that you got to give them your whole heart the full measure of your heart you can't believe the lies of the enemy. You see, some people believe that, you know, if I if I commit myself fully to God, if I go 100% and say, you know what, God, I surrender my life to you, I'm somehow going to have a boring life. I'm going to miss out on things. Can I tell you that since I made a decision to make Jesus the center of my life, my life has been crazy. But crazy good. I, i've 've been able to see God do miracles i've been able to see God heal people, set people free i've 've been all around the world to to preach to people of many different nations, tongues and tribes god it's been nothing but a big adventure and that 's what God wants us to live each and every day this adventure that a heart that's fully alive. your life will be an adventure it will not be boring it won't be easy. <laughs> Don't expect it to be easy, but it will be exciting. You see, 2 Chronicles 16.9 says this. It says, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. And then it says this, and I'll explain why it says this. What a fool you have been. From now on you will be at war. Well, what was going on here? Well, this scripture was actually a word that God gave to a king called King Asa, who was the king of Judah. King Asa was a very interesting person. In fact, for me, he's one of the most sad stories in the Bible. He was actually started off as a great king. He loved God with all of his heart. He, he tore down the shrines and, the, and removed the prostitutes, removed all of the negative things. He made Israel, or uh, Judah, a, a, a nation that was focused on completely serving and loving God. But we don't know why. The Bible doesn't tell us. He, he, he came to a, a place in his life where all of a sudden there was a foreign nation that came to attack him. And instead of turning to God, he turned to to another king to save him and to walk with him. And this was God's response to him. God was saying, look, ah, I'm searching. I'm searching for those whose hearts are fully committed to me. I will strengthen them. Well, what does this mean for us? Well, when we turn to things rather than to God in times of stress and difficulty or even during times of prosperity and goodness, it puts our spirit inside of us at war. It brings conflict to our heart. It creates fear and confusion in our lives, and it robs us of peace. You see, we are all faced with those challenges of, will I fully stay committed to God? Will I trust God with my whole life? And you know, I wish I could say I was 100% on the mark that I've never, ever wavered where I was like, okay, God, I, 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 you know, oh, man, there's times when I've started to go down those other roads, but what do we do when we get there? Well, first of all, we just need to return back to God. This is the beautiful thing about what Jesus provides. Turn back to him. Don't be like Asa. See, Asa, when I said he was a sad story, the Bible records that he never turned back to God. In fact, he ended up getting a foot disease that ended up killing him. It says that he never, ever sought God again. What a sad ending to somebody's life. Don't be an Asa. Turn back to him. Commit your ways to Jesus each and every day. Ask him to make your spirit alert to the temptations around you. And don't live in fear, but live boldly through God's grace. Number two, how do you have a heart that's fully alive? Well, you've got to test your motives. When we talk about our hearts being alive, it centers around our motives. What, made it, what motivates you to do what you do? Is it self-fulfillment or is it others' fulfillment? You know, when we talk about motives, when I I share this with you, you're going to understand what I'm saying. That our motive, people are always looking at our motives. So if I brought my wife, or if I bring my wife flowers for dinner one night, what do you think she's wondering? Why? Did you do something? Did you buy something that you shouldn't have bought? Are you trying to make something up for me? Or do you have some other intentions? What are your motives Or are you just doing it because you love me? See, our motives are huge. It makes a big difference. You see, I believe this. You cannot have a heart that is truly alive if you constantly focus on your own desires, hurts, and wants. You just can't. In Hebrews 4.12, I love this scripture. I'm going to read this out of the NIV. It says this, For the word of God is alive and active. Sharper than any double edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges thoughts and attitudes of the heart, or we could say the motives of the heart. It, it's judging. God's wanting to know what is your motive? Is your motive on me or on yourself? It's so easy for our motives to become skewed. We get hurt or disappointed, so what do we do? Do we we try to, when we meet with people, when we say, you know what, I need to get together with you, are you getting together to be reconciled? Or are you trying to let them know that they need to hear a piece of your mind because of how you got hurt? You see, our motives. What about when we're given a nice gift? Do we give a nice gift back to somebody else because we feel obligated to do so? What are your motives? What's your motivation? We see a need. Do we meet the need? Because our heart wants to serve others. Are we doing it so that we don't look bad or that we look good to other people? You see, motives are important. God wants our motives to be focused on honoring Him. And If you want a heart that's fully alive, here's my last point. You need to continuously renew your mind. Romans 12, two, one of my... Favorite scriptures in the Bible says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. When we talk about our heart and our mind, a lot of times we think, well, the heart is our feelings and our emotions, where the mind is our reasoning and our intellect. But when the Bible talks about the heart, the heart and the mind were intertwined. And you see, the key to a heart fully alive is healthy thinking. If you focus your thoughts on the wrong ideas or negative emotions, you will inevitably corrupt your heart. It's just the way it goes. So, so how do we keep our, our heart right? How do, we, how do we continually have our mind renewed? Well, first of all, I want to start with this. that There's no greater source of strength in the whole world, no greater source of change than the Word of God, the Bible. I'm telling you that if you read the Bible, it will change your life. Why? Because this word is a living word. It's alive. And when you read it, it begins to challenge your thoughts. It begins to, it begins to work inside of you. The Bible says that, when we, that his word will never come back void. And for some of us, we don't understand this, that, that, that this reading, it's, it's an instrument that will change the way that you think. It brings our thoughts and our heart into proper alignment. The Bible is a living, life-giving book. You know, just on an aside here, I was just reading yesterday that they're trying to pass a law in California right now to make it illegal to bring the Bible into any public place. They're trying to make the Bible into a hate book. That it's a book for hate because of the, its positions on, on certain social issues, the LGBTQ issues that, that that's saying it's a book of hate. You see, the reason, well, my question is, is, why is the Bible so threatening? Because it's the word of God. It has power. It can change lives. It, can, it changes situations. It changes <laughs> It's dangerous if you're the devil. So is there ever, ever ever a wonder why we sometimes struggle to read it? Do you think that he wants you to read the Bible? I challenge you to read it memorize it meditate on it for those of you that are like well pastor I, I, you know I, I i've tried reading the bible it just seems so confusing i want to give you a challenge i want to challenge everybody here today if you're not reading the bible every day i want to encourage you to read a chapter of proverbs every day and, and and this is how it works there are 31 chapters in proverbs one for every day of the month we have you don't have any months that go to 32 31's as far as it goes so read one chapter every day and i and i challenge you to 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 just see how it changes your life i believe it will change you and transform you secondly worship will renew your mind and and i'm talking about not just how we live but i'm really talking about Praising and singing here that when you come into to church and you read those words on the screen and you're lifting up your hand and that you're focusing on the bigness and greatness of God, you cannot help but become more alive. You realize that your problems so are small compared to Him. Who here's ever walked into church and been right kind of having a crummy day? Maybe you fought with your wife or your husband or your kids on the way to church. That has never happened in the history of mankind, has it? When does it not happened is kind of the, and so you're kind of feeling bummed out and all of a sudden you begin to worship God, you begin to press into God and all of a sudden things change, don't they? Because all of a sudden your focus changes, your focus goes from you to him and it just transforms things in your life. I know sometime this year we're going to have a a whole series just on the the praise and worship and the power that that God has in there because I I just think it's time to do that again in our church because I believe God wants to show you the power of worship, the victory that comes through worshiping him. But can I say this to you? Praise and worship was never meant to be a Sunday-only experience. And especially Today, we have everything available to us. You've got Spotify, you've got Apple Music, we've got YouTube, I mean, we've got Vimeo, we've got everything in the planet that you can find any worship song that you ever heard. And I want to encourage you that maybe some of you, God wants you to change uh, for a little bit that what you do in the car, instead of turning on the radio, listening to the tunes or the, the news, that, that you maybe would put on some worship and just see how it changes Your thinking and see what happens inside of your heart as it becomes more fully alive. And lastly, I want to talk about oh, just our witness, our witness of what we speak to ourselves. Do you know the words that we speak are so powerful? They're so incredible. And the, and the reality is that throughout our day is that we have people that grind on us, that poke at us, that pick on us, that challenge us, that say things. You, you may have a, a boss that after every I that you miss and every T that you forget to cross, and you, you can begin to feel negativity. And sometimes we've got to begin to learn how to speak over ourselves what we believe God speaks over Stuff like, you've got this, you can do it, you're amazing, God thinks you're the best, you're an overcomer, you you, you don't have to worry because God is with you. Those kinds of things we need to let flood our minds. We need to make a point of telling ourselves good thoughts. Because I say this to you, if you don't do it, nobody else will. And one of the great things I love to read in the Bible is in 2 Samuel, it talks about David, how he encouraged himself in the Lord. We've got to learn many times how to encourage ourselves in the Lord through prayer, through the Word of God, through our worship, but also through what we say to ourselves, what we speak to ourselves. Positive speech is so important. You see, I, I believe we've got to watch out for negativity. We've got to make sure that negativity doesn't rule our thoughts and our words, because if you speak negativity, it will crush your heart a heart fully alive. God wants you today to have a heart more alive, fully alive. He wants to give you big dreams. He wants you to dream big things. He wants you to believe that nothing is impossible with him. That you would learn how to live in the moment, that we would learn how to live in the moment, to enjoy every minute of every day. And I want to remind you that if Jesus Is the center of your life, that you have a good heart and you deserve good things. Next week, we're going to finish this message. There's a part two to it. To live out your adventure, that God has an adventure for each one of us to live out. And my heart's desire for everybody that can hear my voice is that you would live the adventure that God has for you. But the only way you can do that is through a heart that is fully alive. Maybe today you're sitting here and you're like, Pastor, I've been struggling. I, I know the things that I do. I know the things that I, I struggle with, the attitudes sometimes that I have, the things that I say, the things that I do. I, I, I don't always feel like I have a good heart. Well, God, today... He's saying, I want you to see yourself differently. I want you to see yourself through my eyes. I want you to see yourself through the blood of Jesus Christ. And that when you allow the blood of Jesus Christ to wash over you, to deal with your sins, to deal with your shortcomings, God says, I give you a good heart. You have a good heart. And I believe for some others today, I was praying that, God God's speaking to you, you, you realize your heart's not quite fully alive. You're still holding on to fear and worry at places is 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 grabbing a hold of you, or you're 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 limiting your thinking, you're you're struggling, and, and I hear what God is saying today is that He wants to break the lid off of your life. Fullness, freedom, freedom.